Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. And so um, looking forward to, to just continuing our series on Ephesians. How many of you guys are enjoying this series? It's a great series, our Raise the Life series. Pastor Ryan brought a phenomenal word last week. I believe it was a, a challenging word. Maybe it's not something that's like, man, I feel good, but it was a word that we needed to hear as a church. We needed as believers to hear, and he challenged us to, to live it. We got to live a life that's filled with love. We've got to leave it, leaving our past and our sins behind, and we've got to shine it, right? We've got to shine and not cover up our light that Jesus has given us. I think about this little light of mine, right? If you're grown up in church, you probably know that song. If you haven't grown up, I'm not singing anymore because I am not a part of that. So we're going to just jump right in. We're going to read Ephesians 5, 15 through 20 today, and then we'll pray, and we're going to see where God takes us. So it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. Man, this is just, I guess I'm done preaching right here. But don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. God, I pray that these wouldn't be my words, God, but they'd be your words, and they would pierce hearts, God, and challenge people. We would walk out of here knowing that we have hope, God, in you, but we'd also walk out of here challenged to live better lives, God, live a better Christian walk as we leave, God. And I thank you for it. God, I pray you bless the Chiefs today. And everybody said amen. 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 Hey, I'm Chiefs games at noon. You guys all came to the first service. Smart move. Good, good thinking. So it's going to be an awesome day. So, you know, we, we look at this scripture. It talks about, you know, being careful how you live and not living like fools. And so I have a lot of stories that I obviously had to pull from. You know, Pastor Mark's like, this shouldn't be hard. There's a lot of stories you probably have. I'm like, yeah, that's the problem. I got to pick one. There's way too many to choose from. And so, of course, I asked my lovely wife if I ever acted like this. And she didn't have anything to say, of course. Um, she had no thoughts that popped into her mind. But I had one specific one. You know, it's the season of Thanksgiving. So one specific one popped into my mind. So it's Thanksgiving two years ago, three years ago, two or three years ago. And um, Amber's family is, we're hosting it at our house with Amber's family. And it's the day of Thanksgiving that morning. And Amber is like, I'm sick. I'm like, cancel it. Thanksgiving's canceled. Like, that's just the rules. Like, if you're sick, we're not doing Thanksgiving. Like, and so she goes, no, I'm sick, but I can, teach, I can tell you how to do everything. A, I don't cook much, okay? Really, by much, I mean mac and cheese and hot dogs. That's my specialty. And so I'm like, all right, we'll just do it. We're hosting Thanksgiving, right? You know, you got the turkey and the stuffing and the everything else. So I begin to try to prepare a Thanksgiving feast for her family as a person who doesn't cook. But I can follow instructions. I can do what I'm told very most of the time. And so... <laughs> She gives me a list. I'm like, okay, just tell me how to do everything. So she texts me all this stuff. She's like, like hiding in the bedroom, trying to not be around the girls and stuff. And so she gives me a list of things to do. I begin doing them to my best of my ability. So I'm, I'm to, to prepare the turkey. Obviously, that stuff takes the longest. We have this big pot, and you got to put it in. You have to do all this stuff. So I'm putting <laughs> stuff in. I'm telling you guys, I'm not a cook. 
listen, it's just, it's not in my wheelhouse, okay? So I'm doing all the things she says. So you're going to put, do this. You got to open the turkey up. You have to pull this stuff out of the turkey. What? Why'd they put that in there? Why would you even need it? No, you just take it out. What do I do with it? I don't know. Throw it away. Okay. Throw it, okay. So I'm doing all these things, you know, dump on some chicken or turkey, chicken, chicken broth, turkey broth. I don't know. We're dumping on broth. We're putting this stuff. And she says, she said, put an onion inside the turkey. Okay. So I take an onion, we had one, and I shove it in the turkey. <laughs> I, I followed the instructions, okay? So I shove this onion in the turkey. I don't know which cavity it is, but I put it in the turkey, okay? <laughs> the, the onion is in the turkey. The turkey is on. I start doing all the other stuff. I start cooking, etc. Like I Like, I've done my job. Amber should be like, man, he is good. Like, that's what I feel like. Time to eat, <laughs> All the other foods are on the table. I've done it. I've succeeded. Everyone else got there and kind of helped also. That was nice. Except for the turkey, of course. It's, it's still finishing up. So we go to get, I go to get the turkey out. And Amber's mom is there. And she, we begin to cut the turkey. And she pulls out the entire onion. <laughs> and she says, what is this? What is this? Okay, listen. I didn't even unwrap. The, it's got a peel. I didn't even unwrap it. I just shoved the whole thing in because she didn't say you cut the tur- onion up and put it in. She just said put the onion in. So I've got an onion, a fully, I guess probably uncooked onion at this point because it's fully wrapped. This onion isn't really cooked well, nor is the turkey, I don't think. I'm sure we ate it. but um, So I say all that to say, you know, the wise thing to do would have been to cancel Thanksgiving, like I said. But perhaps the next wise thing to do would have maybe been to like ask some questions. Okay, with this onion, am I just shoving her in there? Like, batter up, throw it in, or are we cutting it up? I should have asked. I didn't. So obviously I was the fool in this instance because I failed to, I mean, I did what I thought was right. Okay, but, and I did what I thought was the correct way, but it didn't quite work out the way it should have. Like, it just didn't work out. So how many of us, okay, I'm not the only one that has done this, right? I probably am, but still. How many of us in here, often know the right thing to do. I didn't know the right thing in this scenario, but I did think it was the right. We know the right thing to do, but we think maybe we just know a better way. How many of us would say, I've done that before, right? I, I, unbeknownst to me, thought I knew the right thing to do. Onion, in, done, perfect. Done, check it off my list. But I didn't do it the right way. I didn't go the right thing. And so that's really, we're gonna look at the difference between foolish living and wise living. A foolish living soul puts the onion in full, just woohoo. A wise living probably gonna think, okay, this onion's wrapped. Should probably peel the wrap off at least. Maybe even if I didn't even cut it, if I'd have done that, I might have felt better. But just, but there's foolish living and wise living. So we're gonna look at the difference. We wanna look at what it looks like to be wise and live a wise life. And I think the best way to look at that is to see what Jesus says about being wise. So if you look at Matthew 7, 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. This sermon's full of just old Sunday school songs. Wise man built his house upon the rock, right? We just got all kinds of old Sunday school songs. If that's what you're into, you can go with that. But so we look at this passage. We see in this passage what Jesus is talking about two different people, really. We see wise men and people who are foolish. So we want to look at, in this context, the word fool it doesn't mean that this person has like this intellectual impairment. It's not referring to that as much as, 
maybe perhaps in my scenario, it was probably a little bit of both, intellectual impairment with the turkey and just foolish living. But they, it's not someone who doesn't intellectually have the ability, but it's someone who doesn't live in God's truth. And so then we see the, the fool in this sense is someone who knows God's truth, but refuses to live it out. Some of us in here might fall into that sometimes. There's times in my life where I've fallen into that category of, man, I know this is what God should have me do, but it's like, Maybe if I just like wait a little longer, I'm not going to have to pray for that person at Walmart. Or maybe if I just don't go in that spot, I won't feel guilty that I didn't do what God called me to do. So we look at this, but on the contrary, we look at someone who's wise. That person, they hear God's word, and then they do God's word. They don't just hear it like the wise or the foolish. The foolish hear it. Foolish people can hear God's words, but they don't do it. But the wise people, we hear it. And we do it just like last week Pastor Ryan spoke about. We have to live it and shine it. We can't just, we can't just do the, oh, I'm going to leave my past. But if we're not living it and shine it, we're not, we're not being wise. We're not falling under wisdom. And I believe wise living takes training. If we want to be wise Christians, we want to live wisely, it takes training. You don't believe me? It says it in the Bible. Look at 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Can I get an amen there? Come on. I don't like to train physically, but I can train for godliness. And promising benefits in this life and the life to come. So, you know, we see here that obviously, you know, myself doing CrossFit like I do and maintaining the magnificent physique that God has gifted me with, it's, it's important, right? But we look at this, and it says, training for God. I don't know why you guys laughed at that, by the way. I, just because I'm not, like, as muscly as Pastor Mark, I still work out every once a year or so. But training for God, this is so much better. It's like if we were preparing, say, for a 100-yard dash or a marathon. Luckily for me, I've done a half marathon, and I know what that training looks like. Well, I know what it's supposed to look like. I didn't do a lot of the training, but... <laughs> You're supposed to train. If you try to go just do a marathon, you're going to be in pain. It's going to hurt. But if you're just like, oh, I can just do 100. Most of us in here, oh, yeah, I can just run 100 yards. We're going to have to do a lot of training for that. But when it comes to training for a marathon, this is that's what the, the, the Christian life looks like. Is The Christian life's not a 100-yard sprint. When we sign up to say yes to Jesus, it's not yes to Jesus and boom, I, I'm done. I'm out the gate. I'm done. We say yes to Jesus. That's when the training starts. That's when we begin. That's not where we end. That's where it begins. We're all called to live wisely from that moment forward, not just in that one instant. We're called to be wise and live wisely. So I want to look at the scripture again. Um, I believe when we jump back over to the letter from Paul and his letters to the people of Ephesus, Paul was passionate. He was passionate about encouraging the people in Ephesus. And so we're going to look in this five verses. We can see four ways that Paul suggests we can live wisely. And so let's read it. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. It says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord 
Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at this, and I believe that there's four key things that we can pull out of here that Paul is saying that will help us to live wise lives. So we're going to break it down a little bit. And so number one, I believe that Paul's telling us that we have to make the most of our time. In Ephesians 5.16, he says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So I ask you, what does making the most of our time look like to you? What is making the most of your time? Perhaps does it look like maybe at, at, at the Walmart when you see someone, maybe they need, have a need and you meet it? Making the most of that opportunity. Maybe it's, maybe it's different. Are you the one that's showing love when no one else is to someone who maybe looks different than us, thinks different than you? Are you showing them love when really it's not normal? It's not the norm. I believe that sometimes as believers, we get caught up looking so much for the supernatural, we miss God in the everyday mundane. We get so caught up in, oh man, God, I want to pray for this person that their arm would grow back. And God's a God that will do that. Don't get me wrong. But we look so much for the opportunity to pray for the big prayers when we miss the small things that God says, I'm right there in the middle of. We miss the opportunity for God to show up and show off in the mundane. Because God's not just a God of supernatural. God's the God of every situation. God's the God of, you know, I think about with, you know, kids. Of the, of when I was a children's pastor, kids would say, oh, man, my, my dog died five years ago. God's still the God that cares about that prayer. He's still the God that cares that their dog died five years ago as much as he's the God that cares that, man, God, I, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a valley. I'm in a valley, and I need you now, God. God's the same God to both of those God's the same God in every situation we're in. And I think as believers, we've gotten so caught up in the supernatural. We're missing every moment that God's sitting here working in our lives. We're not seeing it because we're so focused on the big. So I think we need to make the most of our time. What does that mean? We're looking at every situation as a situation where God can intervene. Every season we're in, God is a part of it. Every time we're walking through the valley, okay, God, you've got this. I'm going to keep going. We're not staying put where we're at, but we're making the most of where God has us. We're making the most of every opportunity in these evil days. I believe, number two, that we have to discern God's will. Discern God's will. Well, what does that look like? Well, Ephesians 5, 17, it says, don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I believe if we were a show of hands in here, most of us would raise our hand to the fact that we act thoughtlessly, especially most of us men that are married, mostly every day. Our wives would say amen, I'm sure, that we act thoughtlessly. But that's not what this is talking about. If we look at Romans 12 too, we're told that don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That, so that's, that's worth reading again. In Romans 12, 2, it says, don't copy the behavior of the world. Don't copy the customs of this world, but let God transform you. Are we letting God transform us, church? Are we really just, or are we coming in here every Sunday? Yeah, that was a great service. Yeah, it was a great worship set. And we're walking out of here the same person we came in as. Because the way I read it is we're supposed to be transformed by God, not supposed to be just coming in and say, okay, God, I got my Jesus dose. I'm out. We're called to be transformed on a daily basis. We're called to wake up every day saying, Jesus, how, how can I be used? How can you use me? Not just a Sunday and not just a Wednesday. We're called to let God transform us. This means that we have to live with a new mentality. We have to go from a me mentality to a Messiah mentality. 
We've, we've, we've all grown up. We've all, I've, got, I've got girls. If you have kids in here, you know that even as children, they're born inherently me, me, me. That's one of their first words, mine, mine, mine. That's one of most kids' first words because we're inherently selfish. As, belie- as humans, that's how we are. So we have to go from having that me mentality into a Messiah mentality where we see opportunities and we say, okay, God, this is you. God, this is what you're telling me to do. I'm going to go here because I know you're there. You're in this, God, so I'm going to go through this. We have to change our thinking. We have to allow God to transform the way we think. I think if we were to be honest, most of us in here would say we struggle with that sometimes, allowing God to transform our thought processes. We're all set in our ways. Maybe, oh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But we're th- we, we have to allow God to transform our everyday thinking. We have to go from a me mentality to a Messiah mentality. God's will for us believers in a church are to carry out the two greatest commandments. He said, he talks about it in Matthew 22, we're supposed to love God and love people. That means that that me mentality doesn't survive. That me mentality does not fall under the two greatest commandments because if we're worried about me, we're definitely not loving people and maybe even not loving God. But if we go to the Messiah mentality, we see that Jesus said in Matthew 22, that's Messiah, a.k.a. Messiah mentality. He says, love God and love people. That's where he's, he's talking, and they said, Jesus, what's the most important ones? And he says, do these two. Love God and love people. If you can't do those, well, you're in trouble. You're not doing it right. So we, as believers, our job, our calling is to change our thinking so that we are loving God and loving people. Because if we can't do that, we're never going to see people come to know Christ. And that's the whole reason the church exists. Brooklyn, if you want to go ahead and come. i got two more points for you, I promise. I'm landing the plane. But number three is we have to allow the Holy Spirit to be your greatest influence. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to be our greatest influence. Ephesians 5, 18 through 19 says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. This one here, I think, falls on a lot of us because it's hard. It's hard to allow the Holy Spirit to be our greatest influence. We allow our finances, our popularity, maybe substances. We allow those things to be our greatest influence. You know, Pastor Ryan had it last week, but show me your friends and I'll show you your future is true. And it's the same with this. If you're not friends with the Holy Spirit, if you don't have community with him, your influence isn't going to be correct. It's just going to be leading you astray. And if we're being led by an influence that's not the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what happens. You'll be led astray. No matter where you is, it might be good things. It's not all bad things. Maybe your influence is, I just want to do really good things for people. But if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, those things don't matter. Those things don't count for anything. Jesus talked about it. Those good deeds are nothing, worth nothing if you've just lost your soul. You've got to be in line with what the Holy Spirit has for your life. He has to be guiding you. Oh, no, let's not go that way. Let's go this way. If you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you, it's very easy to get off track. And when you get off track, it's like, you know, you, maybe you just veered a little bit off the road. You know, in a car, when you get in a ditch or when you get to veer off the road, sometimes it's really hard to correct. Sometimes that ditch just keeps pulling you. It just keeps pulling you further and further in. And it's not that you want to, but it just does. That's, it's just a natural reality of it is your car keeps going further and further into the ditch. If you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to be your greatest influence, you're very well likely going to be led astray. You're not going to be going in the path that God has for you. 
And the last point is number four is be thankful. It says in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, be thankful in some. Wait, hold on. Is that what that says? Be thankful in some? No. Be thankful in most. No, that's... Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Be thankful in all circumstances. Yeah, but my, my aunt just got diagnosed with cancer. Be thankful in all circumstances. Yeah, but th- God, the prognosis doesn't look right. Our finances are in shambles. Be thankful in all circumstances. When God is in it, it doesn't matter what the outlook looks like. When God is in it, it doesn't matter what the doctor says. We have to be thankful. As believers, we've got to be thankful in all circumstances. I don't know about you guys, but I can probably use some work in this department. I think about for myself, even in a super simple scenario, I'm driving the speed limit, of course, up to a stoplight, and it's yellow, and it turns red. God, why did you let that turn red? You know I'm five minutes late. God, how did that happen? Maybe I just missed the wreck that I was going to be a part of because God was like, hey, I intervened, and you don't even know it. We're called to be thankful in all circumstances. Even when it doesn't look like the right decision, God, I thank you for what you're doing. Even when the prognosis isn't right, God, I thank you that you're with me. As we grow in our maturity or our wisdom in Christ, we learn to be thankful in all circumstances. It's not easy. It doesn't say being a Christian is easy. That's not what it says. But if we begin to be growing in our wisdom, if we're going to grow in our wisdom with God, we have to learn to be thankful in all situations. We have to learn to be thankful in knowing that God is in control. We have to learn to be thankful. So to recap, we got to do number one. We have to make the most of our time. Are you looking for God in the mundane? Or are you just looking for the supernatural? Number two, are you discerning God's will? Do you know what God's will looks like for you? We have to go from me mentality to the Messiah mentality. If we stay in the me mentality, we're never going to affect our, our culture. We're never going to affect our peers. We're never going to see the kingdom grow through us because we're worried about me and not worried about the Messiah. Number three, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to be our greatest influence? If the Holy Spirit's not leading you, you're being led astray. If you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, it might look good, but you're being led astray. Number four, we are to always be thankful. Because as we grow in our wisdom, as we grow, we can find thanks in all things. We can find thanks in situations where the non-believer sees it and says, how can you be thankful? How can you be, how can you love a God that allows this to happen? Our God's right there. Our God's right here. He's in the midst of it with me. My God has this. I'm thankful that I serve a God that's still with me. We have to be thankful in all situations. Everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. I believe we have an opportunity here to make a wise decision. Because you see, we talk about all these wise decisions all we want, but the wisest decision that believers, as believers, we could ever make is to accept Jesus. That's the wisest thing we could do is to say yes to a God that loves us so much that he would die on a cross for us. He would come and live a perfect life and he would be executed for us. So I never want to get on a stage 
and not give an opportunity for someone to accept that very love that I'm talking about. Like I said, it's the wisest decision we can make. So it's heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this room and you say, yeah, you know what, Pastor Joel, I've never said yes to Jesus, and I want to make that wise decision today. If that's you, just lift your hand. God wants to change someone's life today. It's the wisest thing you could ever do. Let's pray, Jesus. God, I thank you that you love us, God. I thank you we can look at scripture and we can see that you want us to be wise people, God, and that when we are wise, we can learn to be thankful, God, and we can be led by the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we as a church, Destiny Church, would be a church that is led by the Holy Spirit and thankful in all seasons. God, I pray right now as we, as we go into worship, God, that we would answer the call to live wise lives for you. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.